four years old as a church plant in October of this past year. And statistics have shown that at least a third to half of churches that are planted within the first four years fail as a church. They close the doors and they cease to exist. And so if there's ever a time in our, in our church body that we cannot take for granted the grace of Jesus, it's now and it's this upcoming year. Um, there's so many things that are, that are happening, exciting things that, that are being planned, that we're looking forward to. And it's a new year and we all come with, with these plans and with all these things we want to change or, or do differently. Maybe you come even today with a lot of shame and guilt because of things that have happened in 2013. But we don't want to attempt to, to go into this new year, into 2014, and leave Jesus behind. I know for me, it's, it's very easy for me to, um, in all the excitement and, and activity, to simply try to do things on my own, kind of get sidetracked about what's really important and really depending upon Jesus for my life. And so in 2014, we want to be led by Jesus. And we want to grow in our relationship with God. And we want to be feasting on his word and devoted to prayer. Because without him, Jesus says we can do nothing. Friends, we are in desperate need for God to work in our lives and in our church. And we need his presence. We need him the good news is that the God in his grace has given us ways to know him, to grow in our relationship with him, and to commune with him on a daily basis. He's given us the Bible, and he's given us prayer, two things that are vital for us as disciples of Christ. And we don't want to assume these things. We don't want to assume that, that we all have this um, daily time with Jesus in the word and in prayer and so our prayer and our hope today is that we will be reminded of the true bread of life and be encouraged and spurred on to pursue the scriptures and to pursue prayer in 2014 like we never have before. So let's pray and we're going to get into to John chapter 6 and be reminded of the true bread of life this morning. So let's pray and ask for for God's help. Our gracious Father, we are thankful that, that you have promised that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. And so we know that you are present with us even now. And that's good news because this morning we need you and we are desperate for your help. We're desperate to be reminded of what is important as we begin this new year. Father, we don't want to, to think or attempt to do things apart from you because you've, you've told us that we can do nothing without you. And so we ask you, we beg you now to come and to help us, convince us that we need you, open our eyes to the scriptures, and may we be edified and encouraged 
to pursue you this year like we never have before. Father, you want a relationship with us and you, you are pursuing us and so we ask that you would work in our hearts even now to, to change us, to transform us, and to give us desires for your word and for prayer and that you would incline our hearts to these things. And may we be faithful in being doers of the word this morning and not just hearers. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, I do invite you to turn to John chapter 6. It's going to be a familiar passage. We have preached through the book of John, but really felt like this chapter was, was very applicable to us today to start this new year. I definitely remember the sermons that we preached in John chapter 6 and how they, they stirred my heart and my affections to, to want to pursue Jesus more. So I'm praying that that's, that's what happens this morning. The, the verses will also be on the screen. If, if you happen to not have a Bible, there should be a one in the pew in front of you or in the seat around you. So please use that if you, if you so desire. John chapter 6, but let's establish the, just the context of the passage to kind of remember where we were in this, in this chapter. We remember that John's purpose for, for writing his gospel was that we may know who Jesus is and believe him and trust him. That's why he wrote his gospel, so that we may know and believe Jesus. And we also remember in John chapter 6 specifically that, that there were crowds of people following Jesus because of all these miracles and signs that he had been performing. And John tells us that there were at least 5,000 men. And so including women and children, that's upwards of 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people following Jesus because of all the things that he was doing. And this huge crowd, we remember, got hungry. And so one of the disciples said, well, Jesus, there's, there's this boy who has five small loaves of bread and a couple fish, but, I mean, what's, what's that going to do? And Jesus tells, tells his disciples, have the crowd sit down because I have this, I've got this. And miraculously, he feeds this huge crowd of people. And John tells us that there were even 12 baskets of leftovers after the feeding of this group of people. And then evening came, and, and the disciples leave, and they're on a boat in the water, and the seas grew very, very crazy, and things began to get sort of out of control, and the disciples are afraid, and they're rowing and rowing against the raging waters, and then they see Jesus standing in the midst of the storm on the water, and he tells them, do not be afraid, I am here. And then John says, immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Again, Jesus does something miraculous. His presence in John chapter 6 changes everything. And so these crowds of people, they're ready to make Jesus their political king. He's doing all sorts of signs and miracles, but more than that, he fed this entire crowd, and so they're looking for their next physical fill. And so they go searching for Jesus. And we pick up in John chapter 6 and verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. 
You see, the crowds are concerned with the physical, and they're missing what the signs and the miracles are pointing towards. They're concerned with the product of the miracle rather than the person who's performing the miracles. They're standing in front of Jesus with cravings and longings and desires, and they're seeking him to satisfy their physical hunger. They're seeking him to satisfy them and to give them things that will never truly satisfy. And so Jesus says in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And in 2014, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What is it that God requires of us? This is a question that we should be asking ourselves because we believe that God is calling us to all sorts of activity and good works. But Jesus is about to tell us what the work that he wants us to do. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. And so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Again, the, the crowd, they're not hearing what Jesus says. They're still focused on the physical fulfillment of food. Moses gave Israel food every day while they were in the wilderness, but it was only physical, and it never could truly satisfy the longings of their soul. And then in verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Friends, this is what we need in this year. We need bread from heaven that gives life to our souls and to our family and to our friends and to our neighborhoods and to our city. But how often, just like the crowds, do we pursue Jesus just so he will give us what we think we need physically? Because so often we think that all we need is maybe a New Year's resolution or better health or a better body, or more friends, better family, fame, or respect. Maybe what we need is, is more comfort and safety and control of our lives. How often do we think that, that what we need is actually, we need to conquer our fears, and that'll change, that'll change our lives. Maybe what you think you need is a wife or a husband, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe what you think you need is a job or a better job. Maybe a church building. Maybe better and more volunteers in ministry. Maybe longer vacation. And the list goes on and on and on. The things that we think we need that are going to satisfy our longings. But these are all physical. This is, this is not the true bread from heaven that Jesus is speaking of that we need and so verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. In contrast to the physical bread, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Anyone, anyone who comes to me will never go hungry. And anyone who comes to me and believes in me shall never, ever thirst. Friends, nothing will satisfy us like Jesus. Nothing. We are made for him. And every person has this craving and this longing to be satisfied and content. And we spend all of our lives trying to find it in other places other than Jesus. And he's given us, he's given us physical appetites so that we can understand what it means to crave and to have an appetite spiritually and these spiritual longings. His invitation to us this morning, friends, is to come and to believe in him and to trust him and to find our true satisfaction in him because he will satisfy us daily. And he's the only thing that will truly satisfy the longings of our soul. We read in, in verses 50 and 51, Jesus says, This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. I love when Jesus just flat out tells us what we need to know. He tells us, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. He is the one who can satisfy the hunger and the cravings of our souls. So we must go to him. We must run to him. And so how do we, how do, we do this? How can we, in 2014, know Jesus better and be satisfied by him? Where are we going to run this year to be satisfied? And many of us, we hear the words of Jesus and we hear the call of Jesus and we, we turn away from it and we don't pursue him. And we see this in this chapter in, in verse 66. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Church, the only way to know Jesus and to be satisfied in him is if he has taken the first step toward us and revealed himself to us and communicated himself to us. And the good news this morning is that he has. He has done this. He's given us the Bible. He's given us his word to us so that we can know him, so that we can be in relationship with him. And he's given us his spirit to help us to understand and to teach us his word. And this is why Jesus says in verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. 
The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. We are dead and broken and completely disinterested in the things of God apart from Jesus and his spirit. And too often we attempt to live our lives in the flesh on our own, thinking that we can do this by ourselves. And we try to live apart from the wisdom of God and the the power of God and the spirit of God. Let us hear the truth this morning that Jesus speaks to us. He is the living bread. He is the satisfaction of our souls. He is what we are created to long for and to know and to experience. It is the Spirit who gives life. And the words of Jesus are life. God, help us to believe that. And if that's true, that means there can be no substitute for the daily and personal pursuit of Jesus in the scriptures and in prayer. We say with Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so our call to ourselves this morning and to you this morning for this new year is that we would corporately and individually run after Jesus harder than ever before through prayer and Bible reading. You and I are starving for contentment and rest and joy and satisfaction. And without a steady, increasing spiritual diet of the bread of life, through his words, without intaking his words, which are life, We begin to wither spiritually, and we become malnourished. And the thing is, this year you're going to eat. You're going to drink of something. But without eating and drinking of, of, of Jesus, of the bread of life and the living water that truly satisfies, we'll be left starving and dissatisfied. Kirk mentioned last week that, that we are born physically, and we grow up into adulthood, And so also when we are born spiritually, we must grow. And the way we grow spiritually is by eating of the bread of life, by drinking of the living water. We do this by daily consuming the word of God and being in relationship with God himself. In regards to praying, praying is like the the breathing of the Christian life. And strangely, almost Nothing decays so fast in our, in our spiritual life and in the human heart as the desire to pray. In other words, hardly nothing is more vital to our existence as Christians, and yet nothing is so easily neglected and pushed to the side. And so we must come and we must, we must stoke the fires of our soul regularly. Because the truth is, is that we don't drift into holiness We don't drift into prayer, and we don't drift into Bible reading and transformation and spiritual growth because the the flesh wars against the things of the Spirit. Paul says they are contrary to one another. Friends, I I hope that we feel that this is a matter of life and death. These, These are as optional. Prayer and Bible reading are as optional as eating and drinking and breathing. 
for the Christian. And if we don't eat, we will die. And if you don't breathe, you will die. And so for the sake of our souls, and for the sake of your family and friends, and for the sake of your church body, and for the sake of your neighborhood and city, we must pursue Jesus this year. We must pursue Jesus daily. And I know that the problem with sermons like this is that we often feel encouraged and we hear things like this and we're, we're encouraged and we have this desire while we're sitting here to pray and to, to read the Bible and we leave, and my tendency is this, we leave and in about two days you're like, how, how am I supposed to do this? What am I supposed to be doing? And it kind of falls by the wayside. And since we don't naturally... Um, tend toward these things, we must be intentional and plan them. And so I ask you, what's, what's your plan for 2014 for reading the Bible and praying? My wife and I, Christina, we, we've moved twice within the past seven months. And the first time we moved, we moved from a small apartment, and we were moving into a three-bedroom uh, rental home. And just to be honest, we didn't plan very well how we were going to move. And so we had like this month of, uh, we were going to move, and then we had about a month between our lease being up. And so we were like, well, we'll just, you know, moving day, we'll, we'll move the big things, and then we'll kind of come back and get the rest, and it's not going to be that big of a deal. We'll get it in a few hours. And so we had all this small stuff, and people came on moving day, and we're like, where is, does this need to go? Like, uh, and it was... No, leave that, take this, but that hasn't been boxed up yet. And well, we don't have enough boxes either because we didn't plan on how many boxes we needed. And so it was chaos. And then we get to the rental house and we're like, where does this need to go? Like, just shove it all in this room. And so seven months later, just this past week, one of our rooms still had multiple boxes in it that hadn't been unpacked because we didn't know where, th where things were going. And so, suffice to say, this time when we moved, we planned much better, and we had enough boxes, and we, we, we actually moved in four hours, everything out of the, the rental to the house that we bought in four hours. And it wasn't because everything was perfect, but we, we planned this time. So what am I saying? Basically, we failed to plan, and things were chaotic and stressful, and we were, we were just wandering around, literally, like, with, we had no idea what we were doing. And we need a plan to stay on track, to not get sidetracked by our flesh and by, our, by the world. Because our hearts are very deceitful. And we, it tells us that we can do this on our own. And then we end up just wandering around in the dark, looking, not knowing where we're going. And even our need to plan reveals our need for Jesus. Because we are too sinful to just haphazardly wander in the Christian life. We must realize, friends, that we are, are desperate and completely, totally dependent and reliant upon Jesus and his grace. And so when we humble ourselves and we begin to realize this, what happens is that we begin to pray and we begin to meditate upon the word because we realize and we're convinced that this is what we need. Prayer is expressing our reliance upon Jesus and his spirit by daily and hourly crying out to him for help. 
to, uh, it's, a, it's adoring him and worshiping him. It's confessing our, our need and our, our tendency to drift and asking him to, to keep us in his love and in his gospel. It's thanking him for his grace. It's interceding for those who need that same grace. Prayer is, is expressing our reliance upon him. And in the same way, reading and meditating upon the word is expressing our dependence and our reliance upon him for, for wisdom and for knowledge and for holiness. It's confessing that, that, Lord, you know how to run life best and you've told us how and what our lives should look like. It's, it's the spiritual nourishment of our souls and in the Bible, we learn of the glory of Jesus in his perfect life and death and resurrection for us and how he's reigning supreme over our lives. Ultimately, we go to the Bible to know God, to be reminded of how he loves us and how he pursues us in our sin. And we pray so that we can, we can be in communion and, and relationship with our Father and since God isn't physically present with us, we go to the scriptures to see him, to know him. And when we see him, when we see our Savior, it's then that we begin to change. and We're transformed into his likeness and into his image. And so I challenge you this year to, when you pick up the Bible, read it as the word of God, the word of almighty God to you. And when you pray, cry out to your heavenly Father who loves you and who wants your best and is at work for you and who has all power. It's there that we're going to find true satisfaction by seeing Jesus through the Word because the Word leads us to Jesus. But we know that we can't get there on our own and so we, we need the Spirit and so we pray and we ask him because the Holy Spirit loves to exalt and to show us Jesus. And so prayer and the word, they always go together. And we, we go to the word to see Jesus, and then we pray for grace to see him there. And the Spirit answers us, and he begins to show us who Jesus is and who we are and how much we are loved and chosen and accepted and cherished by him. And ultimately, we see the magnificent glory of the gospel as we go to the scriptures and as we, we commune with our Father in prayer. It's there that the Spirit leads us to the bread of life and to the living water for which our souls crave. And it's there that we're going to find rest. And so again, if we are about knowing Jesus and we're, if, if we're about knowing Jesus more deeply and pursuing him and being in relationship with him, this year, then the obvious place we must start is with prayer and the scriptures. And so again, I ask us, what is our game plan for 2014? What I want to do now is, is simply just be really practical and suggest three things to you. If we're going to be intentional and plan for these things, think about these three things. You need a place, a time, and a method. Time, place, and method. And I know that there's some of us, like myself, who don't like planning these things. And it's really hard for us to plan devotional time. 
because we want to be spontaneous and we think that we're more spiritual than we actually are. And what will happen if we don't plan this is that when you don't feel like doing this, you're going to find something else to do. We are weak and our flesh is very, very strong. And so we need a time. Plan an inviolable daily time with the Lord. Some of you are morning people and some of you are not. I am not a morning person and I'm praying and trying as much as possible to believe because I believe that the best time and the best way to to start your day in the morning is in prayer and in the word. And so I I don't think that's a legalistic rule that you have to do that, but it is a good idea to spend time in prayer and the word in the morning because your body... Your physical body is going to be replenished by the sleep that you get, but your soul is not. And what's going to happen is you're going to wake up and you're going to feel physically good and okay, but you're you're going to also wake up very cranky possibly and very self-centered thinking about what you have to do for the day. And every single day, every single morning, we have to realign our hearts. We have to beg the Spirit to take our eyes off ourself and transform us to be other-centered and to be pursuing Jesus on a daily basis. Because when I wake up, that's not the first thing I think about. I wake up thinking about Nate and what I need to do and how I don't want to do this and how I... And I, I begin, and as soon as I do that, I, I walk in the flesh, and I'm pursuing what I'm about rather than what Jesus is about. We need to start each day filling ourselves with the bread of life rather than the bread that perishes. So you need a time. Plan a time. Think about this. Secondly, you need a place. You need to designate a consistent place for this time. Maybe it's an upstairs or downstairs office. Maybe it's, honestly, I'm often at the kitchen table. I don't know why. I just Sitting in a chair makes me, I don't get tired, I don't get sleepy. Most of us cannot wake up, roll over, grab a Bible, and begin to pray effectively and read the scriptures effectively. So I don't suggest your bed. Um, And wherever it is, it should probably be a place that's secluded and without distraction. Because the, and also without mobile devices. It's so easy. You're reading and you get a text, you get anything, and you're completely distracted because the enemy is going to do everything he can to distract you from pursuing the true bread of life, from pursuing what is most needful. So it it needs to be a place where you are without distraction, and it needs to be a consistent place every day. And just a word to to married couples and those with children, I know that it's often harder, um, especially for the men, help make room for this. And this is, it's a daily, daily struggle and fight to do this. And we're not going to be perfect and we're not looking for perfection, but we need to help serve one another by creating these times individually and together And we can't let the busyness and the the craziness and chaos of our lives crowd out what is most important. So you have a time, you have a place, but you need a method. How are you going to read the Bible and pray? You can't just 
get a time and get a place and come. And Kirk mentioned last week during his missionary training how they had this long devotional time and he just like, well, I don't, I don't really know what to do, so I'm just going to kind of open the Bible and wherever it falls, that's it's not really a good method. And I think he told us that as well. And so we need a method for how we're going to do this. And some of us need help here, and that's totally good and okay, and it's helpful to actually admit that you need help. And so one thing we've done today is we have a sign-up sheet in the lobby, uh, coffee bar area, and if you feel like you need help with resources and just planning a method of how, how, how am I going to actually read the Bible and pray, and you feel like you have no idea where to start, put your... You can sign up, put your name, email, phone number, talk to anybody who's on stage today, and we would love, we would be honored to help you. There's not too many things more important to us as to help you read the Bible and pray this year. So that, that is huge, and we want to help that, and we want to help you do that. And so as we think about this in regards to to reading the Bible. Maybe you just want to read a chapter a day and just read through the Bible. Or maybe you want to read from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Or maybe you want to read different, you know, maybe from the, the Psalms and then the Gospels and then a, a Pauline letter. Whatever it may be, there's not necessarily a right way, but we, we need to think about how are we going to read the Bible. We need a method. Because otherwise you're going to go there and you're going to feel overwhelmed and you're probably going to not really do it. I know that because I have experienced that more than enough. In regards to prayer, maybe, maybe you have a prayer list or index cards, or maybe you write out your prayers, or maybe you journal your thoughts, or maybe you want to pray through Scripture. All of these things can be great and useful and helpful, and maybe you don't need to do the same thing every day. But the point is, we need to think about how we're going to pray. But we're called to be devoted to these things. Scripture tells us to be devoted to prayer. The early church devoted themselves to the ministry and to the reading of Scripture. That's why sometimes these things are called daily devotionals. And we can't assume it, but they are vital to knowing Jesus and growing in relationship with him. And being intentional about this time in the word and in prayer, it's simply fighting to know Jesus and it's fighting to believe him more and more and believing that he loves us. It's fighting to believe the gospel in prayer and in the word is how we do this. And if you don't plan, like I say, you're, you're simply going to try to do it when it feels good and it's, you're not going to have a method and you're, you're just going to be overwhelmed and frustrated and possibly feel very fake when you come to a gathering like this. So we need a time and a place and a method. And one final word for us. The last thing we want is for you to leave here defeated and thinking about how poorly you've done this in the past and how many times you've failed at this. I know that's my tendency is to think about that first. Christian, you are a son or daughter of Jesus. He has made you his own. You are perfectly, if you're a Christian this morning, you are perfectly accepted in Christ. 
We were created for this relationship with God. And Jesus has made a way for us to have this relationship with him and with the Father through the prayer and the Bible reading that we're talking about. And he is the son of God who has already performed perfectly for you in your place so you don't have to to impress him by doing better this year. You don't have to impress him by trying harder. He has made you his children The work of God, family, is this. Believe Jesus. Trust him. He stands ready and willing and able to accept you just as you are if you will trust him and if you will run to him. We're never going to impress God by how many chapters we've memorized or how many times we've read through the Bible or how many times a day we pray or fast. The work is done. The pressure is off. You are accepted and loved and chosen and cherished in Jesus Christ today. And now we get to spend this life and we get to spend eternity knowing him more and loving him and finding out that he is truly the bread of life that truly satisfies. And he is the ultimate satisfaction that our hearts are longing for. And so I challenge you today challenge myself today, pursue Jesus in 2014 through prayer and through the scriptures. Resolve to know him and to be in relationship with him like you've never done before. He will not, he will not disappoint us. He, Jesus, is the true bread of life. Amen? Now as we transition into our time of communion, we're about to be physically reminded of this. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus had a meal with his disciples and he took bread, physical bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat. And in the same way also, he took a cup after the meal, and he said this was, this was his blood that was about to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And he told his disciples that every time they, they take this meal, every time they eat this bread and drink this cup, that they are to do this in remembrance of him. And so we come together each week because we so easily forget the gospel. And we come together each week as a family to remember the Lord's death for us, the death in which he took the punishment and the wrath of our sins upon himself, and he made a way and restored our relationship to God. And this is a meal for Christ's followers, and so the Bible would teach that if you are not following Jesus today, if you haven't yet trusted him, that you abstain from taking this meal, but we we call you to believe Jesus, to trust him this morning And what we'll do if if you're trusting Jesus this morning, we'll have servers at the front and we'll come and we'll take a piece of the bread which, which reminds us and represents the body of Jesus broken on our behalf. And we'll dip it in the juice or the wine, whatever your age or conscience permits. And the, the juice of the wine represents the, the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us, that cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. And as we come today, we are reminded of the gospel, we're reminded 
that we are chosen in Christ, that we are fully accepted, that we are righteous in him, that so we can partake this morning rejoicing that our sins are forgiven because of Jesus. So let's pray, let's prepare our hearts to come and partake this meal, to commune with the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Father, you have sent the true bread of life from heaven for us. Father, thank you for reminding us that it is there that we find the satisfaction of our souls. Thank you that you have promised that we shall never hunger or thirst if we go to Jesus, if we trust him, if we believe him. Lord, thank you that you have given us this meal in which we, you remind us of these things every single week because our hearts are sinful, our hearts are deceitful, and we're so easily swayed, and we so easily drift from that which is all satisfying. Would you forgive us of these things? Would you forgive us for our sin of thinking that we can do things without you? Would you convict us? Would you grant us repentance even now? Father, may you convince us this year that what we need is you and that you have revealed yourself to us in your, in your word and that you have given us prayer to be in communion with you. Father, that is amazing that we can commune with the Almighty. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made a way for us to do that, that you've made a way for us to, to have relationship with the Father. Father, we look forward to the day when the striving and the struggles of this life will come to an end and that we will stand face to face with the one who is our Savior, with the one who can satisfy our longings for eternity. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. We ask these things in your name. Amen.